So we gather as God's people today in, in his house, in our house. Jesus said that his house was a house of prayer for all nations. And uh, on a Sunday, 9-11 Sunday, perhaps you're remembering exactly where you were 21 years ago on this day. And yet our prayers continue in a world at war for God's peace to visit our globe God is bigger than this world. God is bigger than this cosmos, which means that we can pray as big as the world. And so we're praying peace for a world at war. We're praying comfort for those in sorrow today. We have a sister nation that is grieving the loss of a leader. And we, some of us, are personally experiencing loss in our homes. And we pray today comfort for those that are in sorrow And then we also thank God that he brings forgiveness uh, to a world of injustice. And he opens a door of opportunity, a new way forward, so that we don't get stuck in the pain of our past. Wherever you are in that piece of your emotional journey, we invite his blessing to find you with fresh blessing today. And if you join me in the prayer, would you say amen? amen? Amen. Amen. Well, who's ready for a change? Anybody ready for a change? You know, sometimes people say, I don't like change. And somebody said, you know, nobody likes change except a wet baby, and they cry through the whole thing. (laughs) But I don't know if I agree with that, that nobody likes change. I'm thinking like this. You know, I bet some of you were ready for school to start. (laughs) That's a change. I bet some of you are glad that you're not still where you were last year in school, but you've actually moved up a level. Or parents, you're glad that your kids aren't where they used to be, but there's, they're moving up. That's a change. I'm thinking that's a good change that we can say uh, that we've been looking forward to. Um, I bet some people here are glad that they're not being expected to wear face masks like they used to because of COVID. That's a change that I'm more than ready for. I was, I'm also ready for uh, some American football. You know, I mean, college, NFL, I mean, that's a change that I'm wanting to welcome into my life. I like that part of this time of year and this year especially. So uh, I'm thinking that's a change. I like that change. If you've been sick, then getting healthy is a welcome change. If you've suffered addiction, then getting clean and sober is a good change. In human politics, people all over the world believe that change would be a good thing, could be a better thing. It's a necessary thing. They serve, they give, they fight for change. So I'm telling you that I'm not sure I agree when people say, oh, I don't like change. I think if you stop to think about it, you might find yourself saying, hmm, maybe not so quick to the draw on that one. I'm not sure that I agree when people say, oh, nobody likes change. No, in Miami, we, we like change. <laughs> you know, if you've lived here any length of time, I'll tell you what, it's like change is one of our values in culture because we change stuff up. I mean, every two or three years, we reinvent ourselves. I think maybe it would be more accurate to say we don't like change being forced upon us. Is that better? You know, we don't like that sense of the loss of control or the loss of autonomy, what we perceive to be our own individual freedoms. That's what we don't like, right? Or maybe it would be most accurate to say it this way. We all have times in our lives when we feel like we just don't want to change. It's about want. It's about what we want. 
And we don't want somebody forcing us to change. Even if the change is good for us, we just don't feel like it. Even if the change will mean a healthier and a longer life, even if the people that are inviting you into the change to make the change, the decision for yourself, you know, I mean, they really love you. They love you more than anybody does, and they know what they're talking about, like your family or like your spouse or like your doctor or like your health experts that are telling you, you know, this change is going to be a good thing. It's going to be good for you. It's necessary. It's beneficial. It's going to be a healthy thing, and you still find yourself on the inside saying, but it's my life and I don't want to change. Is that more accurate? The brutal fact still is life, your life, my life, our life is full of changes. The only constant in life is change. It's never going away. It's always coming. Resist it, receive it, do something or do nothing about it, and change is still going to find you. Every day, some new change is coming your way until one day, aging finds you. You know, oh, aging finds you. No, we don't like that. We don't talk about that in Miami. You know, that's something that doesn't come into Miami. We don't, we don't like that in Miami. Nobody's old in the 305. You know, you could, you, now north of the Broward line, now we're talking. But no, south, at 305, nobody's old in the 305. We don't like that in Miami. The second law of thermodynamics still applies. You know, we, don't, we, we live in denial of it, but I'm telling you, you may deny it, but it is not going to deny you. Aging will find you sooner rather than later. You know the thero- second law of thermodynamics, by the way? This is the law that says it's the universal law of decay. Everything falls apart. Everything disintegrates over time, and maybe that's why we resist change because everything wears out, everything ages, Speaking of which, I moved some furniture yesterday. I feeling a change, honey. <laughs> feeling a change. Um, but before you despair in futility and throw your hands up, may I just remind you, this is a gospel house. And so I would tell you that at its core, the Christ-following life, the Christian life involves embracing And welcoming change from the kingdom of heaven. It's possible. What that means is it is possible, even in the downward gravitational vortex pull of human sin and death, to experience the upward lift of being changed into Christ's likeness. This is the heart of our faith. It is possible, not simply by positive self-talk, wishful thinking, but by real experiential truth. To say like Paul did, whose journeys we just completed, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, spirit life, We're being renewed, renewed, day by day. By the way, did you know that word, being renewed, it only appears twice in the New Testament. And uh, all the Greek scholars that have researched this thing have 
have not been able to find that word in any of the secular Greek literature of its day. What does that mean? It means Paul probably coined the word. He came up with this word. He came up with this word to try to communicate something that was happening in him. Being renewed day by day. It's like Paul is saying, you know, to know Christ is to have an artesian well that is bubbling up inside of you every day. It's like Jesus told the woman, you know, if you asked me, I'd give you some living water and you wouldn't get thirsty because it's going to keep on bubbling up. That's what he's talking about here. This well that is renewing you from the inside, the, the new you in Christ is like this Ponce de Leon fountain of youth. You know, Ponce de Leon came to Florida, came to South Florida. We got a street named after him down here, you know, looking for the fountain of youth. Well, Paul says, here it is. The gospel of Jesus Christ by the living spirit of God living inside of you is the being renewed into a high, more developed spirit qualitatively Try to cram all those words into this one experience. You're being upgraded. You're being changed. And uh, this is God's promise to every person in Christ. Did you know, by the way, that Jesus' first message, he says that he went all over Galilee. He was preaching the kingdom of God. And here's what he said. He's like, get ready for a change. First message on the lips of Jesus. Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Jesus went into Galilee. He was proclaiming the good news. And here's what he said. The time has come. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. So repent and believe the good news. Now the word repent simply means change your mind. Change your mind, then change your direction. It's about welcoming change. So the kingdom is here. The king is here. So welcome the king, engage the kingdom, and then once you've received God's spirit in Christ into your life, Paul writing the people in Corinth. We've been on that journey, right? Here's what he says. You're a new creation. All things passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is what baptism symbolizes. Buried with Christ to rise to walk in newness of life. The new has come. The new has come into being. You're now a changed person. So you can still, now you know what? You can still choose to live under your inheritance in Christ. And sadly, too many people do. But that's not where you're supposed to be. You, you, coming into the gospel brings that you are given a change. It starts with a change of mind. And then you're given a change of heart. And then that change of heart brings this artesian well bubbling full of life. And then progressively moves you upward. Reflecting the glory of God. Here's another thing he wrote to the people in Corinth. We are beholding an image of God. The image of God in a mirror. Look at that. You're beholding the image of God in a mirror. Seeing ourselves being transformed. He says. Oh my God. By the glory of the Lord. And from glory to glory from the Lord's spirit. So God's spirit is at work inside of us changing us and we we could see it happening before our very eyes that your kind of christianity that's what the gospel's about get ready for a change anybody ready for a change to the point until one day first corinthians 15 says we will not all sleep but we will all be what 
changed. In an instant, in the twinkling of an eye, the trumpet is going to sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will all be changed, altered, transformed. So I'm telling you, change doesn't have to be a bad thing. Especially, it can be a good thing. It can be the best thing uh, when the bad things of sin and death are making themselves known. The gospel is the ultimate change agent in the cosmos. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the ultimate disruptor in our world. Disrupting the universal laws of whatever by the lawmaker himself. Saying, second law, let me bring you into a new reality. Now before we see what disruption God would like to bring to our world... Think with me for a moment about what brain science is now discovering. You've read about this. You've studied this, particularly something called neuroplasticity. The ability of the brain to form and reorganize synaptic connections, especially in response to learning, to experience, or following an injury. So research has shown that neuroplasticity, this ability of the human nervous system to change its activity in response to uh, stimuli, both intrinsic and extrinsic, by reorganizing its structure, functions, and its connections internally is a fundamental property of the human nervous system. What does all of that mean? simply means your brain has the capacity to change your your brain has the capacity to change. And they're calling it neuroplasticity. The capacity of neurons and neural networks in your brain to change their connections and their behaviors in response to new information, to new sensory stimulation, to development damage or dysfunction. This has hope written all over it. The information superhighway in your head can add new lanes and can create detours and build bridges into a new future, whatever your past has been. Britannica says it this way. Although some neural functions appear to be hardwired in specific localized regions of the brain, certain neural networks exhibit modularity, and they carry out specific functions while also retaining the capacity to deviate from their usual functions and to reorganize themselves. Hence, neuroplasticity is considered generally to be a complex, multifaceted, fundamental property of the brain. What does all of that mean? That's your brain they're talking about. That's my brain. This is the brain that Almighty God made in his image for you to bear, to become his likeness. And what does it mean? It simply means your brain can change. Wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whatever shaped then does not have to be your now. Your tomorrows don't have to look like your yesterdays. And here's another article I read. It says, it's not clear exactly how plasticity shapes brain morphology and physiology, close quote. You know what that means? We don't know how it works. We just know it does. That's science's way of saying, hmm. We don't know. We don't know. 
So the mind-brain connection is still a mystery, but studies have shown that synapses can create new neural pathways in the human brain. We can change. We're not just stuck in the old ways of processing. Now, listen to what Paul says one more time. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Is science confirming scripture? Again? All truth is God's truth. Renewing the human mind can be a reality. It's not just something that religious people do wishful thinking about. Yeah, the scientists are saying this is how, how it happens. You know, the word the New Testament uses for this, that Paul uses here, is anakinosis. Anakinosis. Which literally translates this. Up, make fresh. Isn't that cool? Up, make fresh. We would say upgrade. God built your brain so you could get an upgrade. And that was way before we had any kind of microtechnology. Paul uses, and how do you get it? You know, that's like, okay, wait, can I get an upgrade? How did that happen? Okay, he uses another word here, one that you would recognize probably, metamorphosis. Metamorphosis, does that sound familiar? It means change after being with. So you get within range of this reality, and something's going to change in you because you were with it. So it's like a change in form that aligns to an inner reality. That's what the word means. So the change comes from within. This is so intriguing because it's not forced on you from the outside. Christianity is not about external behavior modification. This is more. This is an internal transformation. The mercies of God, Paul says, are the motivation here. God loves you so much. God is pouring grace out and mercy out upon you. And that is doing something in you as this experience in such a way that you are changed. It's changing the way you think. It's changing the way you do life. But it's not changing you by legal force or by military might. It's not changing you by political coercion. See, from God's perspective, that's not deep enough. The maker said, here's how we're going to bring the change, internal transformation. You know, I was working on this message, and I made myself a cup of coffee, a little K-cup, you know, Keurig, and I got a 10-ounce cup, a mug, and then I hit the 10-ounce setting on the water, and so you know what happens. Some of you have done this. I mean, the water fills up, and the coffee's there, but it's filled to the utter brim of the, the top of the mug, you know, I mean, the utter brim of the coffee, so what am I going to do, you know, <laughs> like a computer's over there, a coffee's over here, I got to figure out, so I just leaned over, I tried to slurp off, you know, the <laughs> top level of that surface, and, you know, it's too hot, <laughs> it's like, I, no, it's, I can't do that, and so I'm, I take the and I'm just careful as I can be, you know. And I mean, it's all the way to the top. There's, and so I take one, <sighs> spilled it. You know, I mean, there's no way it's not going to happen. So, no, honey, I cleaned it up right away. So, no, 
Don't worry about that. But I, I, I was trying to carefully carry it across the kitchen floor. And then that ha- as soon as that happened, I just put my cup down. I went over to the computer, and I, uh, I, I, I wrote this down. I said, you know, uh, the reason I spilled coffee from my mug is because my mug was utterly filled with coffee at the time. Is that profound? <laughs> what was on the inside is what spilled to the outside. And I'm thinking, wait, that makes sense, right? This is why it's no surprise to you when you go to brush your teeth and you put the squeeze on that tube, the toothpaste comes out. Why? Because toothpaste is what's on the inside. And whatever's on the inside, when it gets squeezed, whatever's in your mug, when it gets spilled, what's on the inside is what goes on the outside. And I'm thinking, wait, 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 wait. Okay, um... All my squeeze does, all my spill does is reveal what's on the inside. It's already there. It just comes to the outside. And I'm thinking, what if, wait, what if God has given us away? You know, the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. That God has so designed you to bear his image and reflect his image and to be restored from glory to glory. Oh my, what does that mean, Lord? Help us understand. But what if God has so designed human beings in such a way to experience change on the inside that it can fill you so much that when you get squeezed, guess what comes outside? When you get spilled, that's what comes out. Now here's why that matters. Because in our world, what we see... So much of the time, hostility, anxiety, animosity, fear, rage, hatred. Man, it's just flowing full and free. It's spilling on everybody. People getting burned. The squeeze is put on. What happens, you know? Somebody gets the squeeze put on them, and whatever's on the inside, that's what comes to the outside. And then somebody, that affects somebody else's inside, and they get, they get jostled, and then whatever's on their inside gets spilled out. And the next thing you know, it's everywhere, and it just looks like they, they conform to whatever happened to them. They just do it back. Oh, you do that to me, then I'm going to do this to you. They're just conforming to what has happened to them, and then they just give more of the same, only with their own imprint on it. And then the news media covers it, or they take some, somebody takes a video and it goes viral and the next thing you know it just looks like the entire world is full of anxiety, animosity, hostility, fear, anger, rage, hatred. What if God was giving us another alternative? What if when we were jostled or squeezed we were to spill something else out? Why? Because we're being filled with another kind of life. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, that's how the mouth speaks. So you know how to tell what's going on in your heart? Just check what's coming out your speaker. Because that shows you where your dial is set. That's what Jesus said. But what if our hearts could be abundantly filled with something other than hostility, animosity, anxiety, fear, anger, hatred, hubris. That the reason that we are seeing such dissonance externally is because we're experiencing such dissonance internally. Is that what 
What if we didn't have to be like everybody else? What if we didn't have to say what everybody else is saying? What if we were filled with something else? What if we just were not conformed to this world? What if we could be transformed and have some new neural pathways being built in your brain that could bring healing and hope and help instead of hubris and hatred and hurt? Somebody said, better to light a candle than to curse the darkness. Listen to 12, Romans 12 once again. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your capacity to reason. The way your brain functions. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You're not giving up your ability. You're just aligning it with God's truth. And then what's going to happen is good, pleasing, and perfect will is going to happen in your life. So here's why I'm telling you that. Because over the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking Romans chapter 12. I'm inviting you to join me in a Romans 12 project. A transformational journey uh, where... We're going to be looking at some of the candles that God wants us to light in the face of the darkness. But not just the darkness out there, the darkness right here. Because that's what comes out of this. And if we could do something about the light here, then oh my goodness, we could start today being his church in his world by letting him be our Lord in our lives. And instead of being conformed to the pattern of this world, what if we were transformed to reflect another world. Seven movements we're going to see the series unfolding in. Seven more powerful expressions about transformations that will come. Here they are. From pride to humility. From fearful to faithful. From independent to interdependent. From selfishness to servanthood. From defensiveness to loving our enemies. From isolation into hospitality. From uniformity into unity in diversity. I mean, this is going to be a fascinating journey. It's going to impact your life. It's going to impact, if you pay attention, and you don't have to, lots of people don't when I talk, but it's okay. Okay, but if you do, here's what might happen to you. It's going to affect your inner life. It's going to affect your outer life. It's going to affect your personal life. It's going to affect your emotional life. It will affect your spiritual life. It will affect the way you do marriage. It will affect the way you do relationship. It will affect the way that you parent. It will affect the way you work with colleagues in your workplace. It will take you into a way forward, an alternative way than the default settings of a world set on blame, shame, and defame. What if there were a different kind of life, a kingdom of heaven upgrade, that you could be lifted to live in a different way, the way of transformation? Now, the Greek word there is metamorphosis. We already talked about that for a moment, but that ref reflects the transformation of an immature form into a more a more adult form. And the illustration I remember about this one from science in elementary school was uh, the monarch butterfly life cycle. You know, from egg to caterpillar to butterfly. You remember this? From an egg to a caterpillar to a pupa to a butterfly. The egg wasn't meant to stay an egg, right? To, but to become a, a caterpillar. 
takes about four days for the eggs to hatch. Then the baby caterpillar doesn't do much more than eat milkweed and crawl around on his belly, you know, close to the ground for about two weeks. And then that adult caterpillar, two weeks old, adult caterpillar, now finds itself a place to attach so that the process of metamorphosis can begin. And that insect then stays encased in that chrysalis, a kind of biological sarcophagus, about 9 to 14 days, where it is being changed, it is being transformed, metamorphosized, so that it can rise to new heights and ride the breeze and feel the warm sun and share its beauty with all who will care to look. Now, you look at an egg or look at a caterpillar or look at a pupa and (laughs) ask yourself, what kind of life is that? And the right answer is this one, an unfinished one. You know what Paul is trying to say? Believers, God's not finished with you yet. You're not done. You're not stuck. You have the potential to be transformed. You can become more. In fact, God meant you for more, more, more for you. I'm supposed to become more. You're supposed to become more. Don't settle for what everybody else is doing and how everybody else is thinking and what everybody else is saying. Don't be conformed to this world. He said, find your wings. Rise to new heights by the power of God's Spirit. That's what living in our house is about. This is God's house. In our house, in our house, in our Father's house, in our God's house, it's about becoming everything we can be by His redeeming grace, being changed into His likeness by His glory. We're calling this series Our House because this is a house of becoming. And to remind us of that, I got one story for you. Look at this. There was a time in my life I felt lost and empty. When I found Jesus, I accepted him, and I found purpose, and my heart is filled with love. Do you have a story like that? Do you have a story like that? That's a story of change. That was Rudy. He was sitting right here on the third row here with his wife, Tatiana. They raised their hands in response to a salvation call about a month ago and then got baptized at the ocean. And now Rudy's wanting to say to everybody, you know what? I'm being changed. Something's happening in me. I got another purpose because I received Jesus. That's what God's house, our house, is about. So if I had an appeal to you today. It would be this, don't harden your heart, stay pliable, stay responsive, stay agile, say, Lord, you're the potter, I'm the clay, and I would like for you to have my body so that you could go to work on me from the inside out. That's what Paul says, that's what real worship is. You just present your body, everything you know about you, you say, Lord, I'm giving it to everything I know about you. And now I want to invite you to work in me. You were born with a material body, but you're not supposed to stay in this world alone. You have the capacity, a spiritual capacity in your mind that was given you by the almighty creator so that you can rise above just crawling on your belly like a caterpillar. You can find your wings spiritually, if you will. That's what the series is going to be about.
Maybe this is your day to receive your spirit life in Christ as your Savior. That's where it begins, just like Rudy said. I trusted Jesus, took a step of faith. Maybe for you, you're saying, oh, I've been in the family for a while. I know our house. I live in our house. You've been in the church. You know about the church. But how long has it been since you've seen the reflection in the mirror change? That's what Paul says. Don't, don't miss your inheritance. Let God change you. Is this your day to say, Lord, take me to the next level? That's how you do it. Ask God to meet you where you are, but take you to the next level. He loves you just as you are, but he loves you too much to leave you that way. He wants to take you to the next level and then show you how to live as a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And how we do that together is what this series is about. How God's family living in our house get to be a part of a community that's becoming everything he has. Would you pray with me? Everything he has for us. Lord, as we... Uh, I just want to thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you for how it's designed to bring us freedom and call us higher. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for modeling this in your own life before us and showing us the potential of a human being lived in full alignment with Almighty God. And thank you for the sacrifice of your sin, of your life on the cross for our sin and the resurrection of your body taking on wings for eternity. We thank you, Lord, for the potential before us. And I'm praying now for somebody who wants to step into that. If that's you, then perhaps this is your prayer today. Lord Jesus, if, there, if you can change me, if you can change my life, I would be Forgive my sins, come into my life as I turn, as I change my mind about where I'm going to follow you. As I repent and believe, I turn from my way, I learn to go your way and invite you to have your way with me. If you just prayed that prayer with me for the first time, and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith. Just, Would you just raise your hand and hold it up for a moment? If you're joining us online, click in the chat and let us join you there as well. Here in the middle, about seven rows back, God bless you. And then a little bit farther back, maybe 14 rows, God bless you. Thank you. To my right in the front and then on the aisle. And Amen. Amen. Over to my left against the row, against the wall, and then all the way in the back, God bless you. Thank you, Lord, for everybody whose hand has been raised and those that I haven't seen, but you know in their heart they're, they're open for a change. Would you visit them with peace and joy and assure them that you are with them and you will never leave as we make our